right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody today on a beautiful December Sunday morning? Praise God. Well, as you know, we are smack dab in the middle of the Christmas season, and we are loving every single minute of it. It is the most wonderful time of the year. We are celebrating Jesus and that he was born. Who's grateful that Jesus was born, amen, into this world? He became one of us so he could die and save us from our sins, amen? Well, we're going to stand up together today, and we are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America because we believe and we declare that America is coming to Jesus, amen? And I know someone's like, well, hey, I'll believe it when I see it. We walk by faith, not by sight, amen? And so we're going to keep speaking these words bold and loud and proud, and we are going to see great things happen because of Jesus in this nation, amen? So let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we're going to take the next couple of minutes and do our meet and greet time. So here's your chance to go say hi to your friends. Give them a hug or a high five or a handshake. You can do knuckles as long as they're not to the head. You don't do that, okay? Knuckles to knuckles. All right. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and take a few minutes. Let's go. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born. Sing, 
square however the saying goes you can sit down joseph unless you just want to he's a handsome young lad you can step stand up if you want to <laughs> that's okay he's a good kid thank you jesus okay i've got some announcements to give to you the toy drive for on the rise agency foster agency um we need brand new unwrapped toys for kids from infant all the way up to teenagers um they need to be, the toys need to be here by Monday, the 13th of December. The last day to drop off is Sunday the 12th. That's odd. David, that doesn't match. Okay, I'm sorry. Pastor Dave, I'm sorry, that's my son. Pastor Dave, that doesn't match. So how come the last days that they're, you need to bring them by Sunday the 12th. Okay, so make sure that you do that. And also, if some of you don't want to go shopping and would like to, you know, just give a, a cash donation or, or write out a check, write out to Hyde as a word center. Mark your offering envelope plainly uh, for on the rise. Otherwise, it goes in the general fund. So make sure that you do that. Okay. Bookstores having a Christmas sale. How awesome is that? So 20% off everything for the whole month of December. So that's cool. And, and Melinda is our bookstore. Stand up, Melinda, so everybody can see her. She's our bookstore director. And she does an awesome job back there. There's a lot of cool stuff back there. So... 20% off. That's pretty cool. All right. Women's meeting this Friday night, 6.30. Victory. Bring soup, salad, and I forgot to mention dessert. Or dessert. Okay? So it's our special Christmas event. 
There's going to be a free gift for everybody that comes that I've personally handmade for you. Plus, we'll have drawings for children, teenagers, and adult and adult women. So make sure that you sign up because I, I must have an accurate head count. So see Susan. Wave at everybody, Susan. This is Susan. She'll be at the info booth after the service, and you can pay. It's $3 per person, no matter the age group, and you must sign up because I have to have a head count. Okay, so uh, uh, for those of you who are new, Victory is Hall is back here. Uh, the front gate won't be open. You have to come down the soap mine and then come through the back, and it's this building right back there. Okay, so everybody, everybody knows. Okay, good deal. Let's see. Also, we've got our Christmas service for, with all the children's program is Sunday, December the nineteenth. That's also our pitch in. So the pitch in is a repeat of Thanksgiving. So we have. Two items on the list, so I need an usher. Thank you, Jolie. Pass that around and, and write on there what you're going to bring. Remember, there's more people that come to the Christmas dinner than come to the Thanksgiving dinner. So we had 185 here for the Thanksgiving dinner, so push it to 200, 225 on Christmas. So when you bring food, you bring lots of food, enough for your family and enough to share, okay? Thank you, thank you. And also our candlelight service, which is always a beautiful event, is Friday, the, of course, December the 24th at 6 p.m. And so make sure you come to that. Also, warfare prayer tonight, 5 o'clock in the kitchen. If you're interested in, in uh, praying for somebody else besides yourself, then come on out. And it's going to be a good deal. Pastor Day. Pastor. Okay. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. Amen. I, I would rather be here than the best hospital in all of Southern California. Amen. Or the best rehab center, best, or even the best prison, which I guess sometimes you don't have to stay in prison very long here. But anyway, I would rather be here than anywhere else I could think of. Uh, I think about, think about our, our, our church's vision mission is to equip God's people, God's families for victorious Christian living. And everything we do, we try to teach you the Word of God on it so you can apply it to your life and be able to win. Amen. And, and money, the money is no exception. God does not want you broke. He doesn't want the devil stealing your money, tearing up your stuff. He wants you blessed. But everything in the kingdom of God takes two sides, the God side and the man side. God does his part, we do our part, and we get the blessing. Amen. But hold up your hands if you need an envelope for your tithes, for your offerings, and uh I want you to open up to Malachi, chapter 3, the last book of the Old Testament. Amen. Malachi, chapter 3, last book of the Old Testament. And I know I was talking to somebody the other day about, about tithing. And, you know, as, as a pastor for lots and lots and lots of years, I still don't understand people sometimes. I know that when I, when I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. When I was a freshman in high school, I got born again, and uh, my parents weren't Christians. And I've been working since I was eight years old. I started working really young. And when I got saved as a freshman, I went to the Baptist church, and they taught tithing. And as a born-again Christian with the Holy Spirit in me, sitting in the Bible, I knew that's what God wanted me to do because I was one of his children. And so I began to tithe. And then my parents were good parents, but not Christian parents. They found out that I was tithing because I went to church with my grandma. 
and they started taking my money. They said, you don't give that money to some preacher. You don't go give that money to some church. Your family can use it more than they can. So they started taking my money because I was a tither. But I still knew it was right. And so I didn't stay saved, but about a year that I, I, I backslid. And then at 28 and a half years old, I gave my life back to Jesus. And the very first thing I knew was my truck driver's paycheck, 10% belonged to God. Nobody had to tell me the Holy Spirit in me that inspired the Bible, quickened me again, that tithing is what God wants you to do. So I started tithing. And that was 28 and a half years old. I'm 70 years old now. And it's never, never, never left me. I've known for all these years the tithe belongs to God. And that's why I can't understand Christians that don't get this, that God never asks you to do something to hurt you. It's always to help you. How many believe that? It's always to help you. And so Malachi chapter 3, I want to read starting at verse 10. And I, I really liked, uh, I was out, anybody here ever heard Oral, Oral Roberts? I was out at Oral Roberts' uh, pastor's conference way back in the uh, 90s. And Oral Roberts taught this that time, the best I ever heard it. So just briefly, I want to show you what this is saying right here. And if this doesn't light your fire, your wood's all wet. You need to get a hold of this. This is the Bible. It says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. Well, the storehouse is where God has the blessings stored up to you, the spiritual blessings, because the spiritual always determines the natural good or bad. And so he says, There may be food in my house. And there's two things he's talking about here. This food, number one, is spiritual food. God wants you to have a place to come to where you can be fed spiritually. Jesus said, The man shall live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so you need to have a place where you can hear the word of God taught that feeds your spirit to give you faith and gives you strength and give you answers of life, what you need to do. And so God's system is this. People are spiritual beings, but we live in a natural world. And so you make money, you earn money, you have income. Somehow you get blessed with financial increase on the earth. And God doesn't need your money, but on earth, that's the way the system works. And so when you bring your 10% in, that pays pastor's salaries, that pays light bills, takes care of the upkeep and maintenance of the house of God, and causes things to work right. And God said, bring your tithe in so you can have food in your house. Amen. But look at this then. God told you your part, and then he says this, and then he says this, uh, for, for, for his part, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven. Open you. Open you. And you know, to me, the Bible is so simple to understand. It absolutely takes health. It takes help for religious preachers and demon spirits to change the meaning of the Word of God. God said, you bring your tithe into the storehouse, I'll open the windows. My house has a lot of windows in it. And the only way I open my windows is if they're closed. If they're already open, I can't open them. They're already open. And so, see, Christians, you do not have to be a tithing person to go to heaven. You need to be born again. And after you're born again, then God says, now I want you to come to the next level to tap into all the blessings I have for you. And so God says, I open the windows. And in the Bible, the first time that God talked about opening the windows of heaven was back in Noah's day. It says the windows of heaven opened and the rain came down. 
and the rain came down and flooded the earth. And so when God opens the windows of heaven of the Spirit, He begins to pour out. He pours out His anointing. He pours out His favor. He pours out His grace on your life. And so to be born again is just receive Jesus, but then Jesus wants you then to start using faith to do what the Bible says to do. I want to say it again. Tithing does not get you to heaven. Born again gets you to heaven. But tithing opens heaven's blessings on you to have more than you've ever had. We're equipping God's people for a victorious Christian living. So he says, when I open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it, that's talking about God and you as partners in the gospel walking in the blessing flow. That blessing he's talking about is not a one-time thing. That's living a blessed life. Amen? And then he says this, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now you have to understand right here, he's talking to farmers, people in agriculture. He says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. It shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. So he's talking to these farmers, and he's telling them, I'll make sure that your orchards have plenty of water coming down. He said, I'll make sure, I'll make sure no frost comes in and your fruit drops off without bearing fruit and maturing fruit. He said, I'll make sure, rebuke the devourer, I will stop the bugs, the locusts, the plagues that are destroying your crops. He's telling these farmers, he said, if you'll bring your tithe in, I'll bless your crops. And so today, for, for, for we in the 21st century, as people of God, I look at the different people out here, the jobs you have, the things you do. God said, I'm going to make sure you get your paycheck. And I'm going to make sure when you get your paycheck and the warranty runs out of your car, your refrigerator, whatever it is, that the day that happens, your stuff's not going to give up the ghost and I have to go buy a new refrigerator because since the warranty ran out, that was it. No, God said, I'll rebuke the devourer. And I know that uh, I've got a refrigerator. I bought new when I remodeled a house back in Indiana in the 90s, and I gave it to my son Joshua a few years ago. Over there the other day, I noticed, well, wow, there's that 30-year-old refrigerator still in Joshua's kitchen doing everything it's supposed to do. And that's the way it's been for all of our stuff forever because we have been faithful to God to give him his tithe. God has continued to rebuke the devourer. One quick personal testimony. I went into Walmart to buy a new barbecue grill on Friday. And when I got there, they got them all chained up. They were already on sale. They were chained up. And I spent an hour with all the different people that tell me, go this way. They got the key. And I got tired of running around. I said, Jesus, I'm just going to walk in love. I'm going to walk in faith. And finally, the manager, they got her on the scene. She came out there and apologized, apologized, apologized. They got some bolt cutters going to cut the lock. And then finally, some woman came to the key. Then the manager said, Mr. Samples, we've inconvenienced you so much. I'm going to give you 20% off. I said, well, that's pretty good. So what I made for that hourly wage was really good money. That day for an hour of my time, I really got blessed. And as soon as she said that, and she rung it up, took that 20% off, it was a really good amount for a barbecue grill. I said, thank you, Jesus, for rebuking the devourer. I said, thank you, the windows of heaven opened. And Lord, I'm so glad, I'm so glad I walked into the fruit of the spirit of love and self-control. And I just apologized to that lady. I said, I'm so sorry for the times we live in that I know there's a lot of help that you can have, but you don't have them right now. But I said, I don't blame you for this. Amen.
And so love never fails. But just remember this, what I'm showing you here is tithers. And I still don't understand how somebody is seeing what God says could fail to give God 10% of what they make because it, it sure pays dividends. Amen. Well, let's make our financial faith confession as we bring our, our tithes and offerings up to the altar. And just always know that when you bring your tithe and your offering up to him, always thank him on the way up here. Just just, just put some words out there and say, Lord, I want to thank you. I've got this tithe to give. I want to thank you for what you've done in my life. I want to thank you for what you're doing for my family. Because I'll tell you what, that praise goes a long ways. Amen. Causes things to work. Let's stand up, make our financial faith confession. And after you present your uh, tithe to the Lord, if you want to stay up here and worship with us, you can. It's always so good to be around the altar together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, your needs. I have more than enough to take good care of my family, get generously to the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to sing with us up front here at the altar. Either way, let's just sing together. Arise, my soul. Remember this He took my sin And He buried it No longer I who live Now Jesus lives in me For I was dead in sin But I woke up to see the light
Lord, you're faithful. Let's sing, I am standing on your word. raise our hands this morning. Praise God. You know, when you know the answer, you raise your hand, right? And this morning, no matter what it is we're going through, I know what the answer is. Amen. So I will boldly and proudly raise my hands to heaven. 
Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you are faithful. You are good. You are true. And we thank you, Lord, for every time that you have been there through us, God, even when we didn't deserve it, you were there for us, Lord. And we know that even any times in the future, you are faithful and true, Father. We love you and we thank you so much, Jesus, for coming into this world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning is uh, its our first Sunday of the month, which means it's when we do communion together. And this is a special time uh, for us every single time. We need to make sure that we realize this isn't just some tradition. It's not just some thing we do, but communion is a, a powerful and important moment for us at this church. So um, let's go ahead and we're going to stand up together. I know some are like, hey, I just sat down. But listen, what we're going to do is each row, come on up and the ushers will have the communion elements available for you here. Get the elements. You can go back to your seat and we're going to take this together. And I want to also tell you, you do not have to be a member of High Desert Word Center to take communion with us. You do need to be a member of the body of Christ. You need to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But let's go ahead and receive the communion elements today. I wanted to share a scripture with us um, before we take the communion elements. You know, uh, I think sometimes we lose sight of how important and powerful uh, this communion time is. And, you know, one of the best Bible passages I ever stumbled across on my own was here in Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to look at verses 14 and 15 in the NLT. Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. And I've never seen these verses to me are the most beautiful and accurate description and uh, um, explanation of why Jesus came into this world. But Hebrews 2, verse 14 in the NLT, it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And verse 15 says, Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. 
why did Jesus come into this world? Why couldn't he just do what he did from heaven right there? He couldn't die if he was in heaven. You don't die when you're in heaven, right? You couldn't die if you were just a spirit. Spirits don't die. But Jesus had to have a body to die in. And so on Christmas Day, what is it, 2,000 years ago, amen, Jesus was born into this world of the Virgin Mary with a purpose. And that purpose was to grow up and become a man that could die on a cross to save us from our sins. And what else? To save us from the power of the devil who has bullied and tortured and messed with people all these years. Jesus came, amen, and he freed us from fear. He freed us from living our lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus came to set us free. And when we take these elements, that's what that represents. And I can't help but get excited every time I take communion because it reminds me, Jesus, thank you for what you did. Thank you. You didn't have to. People are like, well, he had to do it. It was Jesus said, no, I don't, I, I didn't have to do this. In fact, he said, if I wanted to, I could get out of the cross. I could ask my Father in heaven for 12 legions of angels to come and rescue me from the cross. But he didn't do it. He went through with it anyway. And some people are like, yeah, well, these guys killed him. Jesus said, hey, no one's killing me. I lay my life down. He gave it as a gift. No one stole Jesus' life. Uh, no one murdered him. He gave his life for us. And the sad thing is some people... They don't even acknowledge that he ever existed. Some people will say, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. And, and, and then they'll just go on living their lives the same old way. Or they'll come and, and you know, they'll give their nod to God every now and then. The, and, you know, visit his house. But Jesus has done so much for you. He's done so much for me. I can't live like that anymore. I've got to give him my best because he gave his best for me. What else could he give? He gave it all. And so I encourage us today. We're going to take a minute here, and First uh, Corinthians chapter 11 uh, says something really important for us. It says that, uh, verse 28, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. The King James says to judge yourself. And so what we're going to do for just a minute here is we're going to talk to God on our own, just you and God. And we're going to examine our lives, judge our own lives. It doesn't say to examine, you know, your husband's behavior, examine your wife's behavior. No, it's talking about you examine you. You judge you right now. And if there's something that needs changed, if God's saying, hey, you know, you need to cut that out. Now's the time to repent. Now's the time to talk to God and do business with him before we take these communion elements. So let's take just a minute here this morning and we're going to examine ourselves before God. Amen.
we're going to take the bread together this morning. And in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, the Apostle Paul gave us instructions on taking communion. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so this morning we take this bread and it represents the body of Jesus that was beaten, that was broken for our healing, uh, broken so we could have peace. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did. And we do this to remember you. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so we thank you, Lord, for this blood right here, this this juice. It represents your blood. And Father, we thank you for a new covenant, God, with the holy blood of Jesus. Because of this, we're going to heaven. Because of this, we have salvation. Because of the blood of Jesus, we are forgiven of our sins. We do this to remember you. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Amen. Can we sing, What Can Wash Away My Sins? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Who's grateful for the blood of Jesus today? Amen, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're not paying our own way into heaven. We're not trying to to pay for our own sins. Jesus paid for our sins. We just got to receive them. Amen. That's good news today. Well, praise God. Why don't you give someone a nice high five or, or give them some more knuckles if you didn't get some earlier. And you can be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. All right. I mean, uh, there's some weird handshakes going on in this section. I don't know what this is all about. But anyway, praise the Lord. Well, I'm excited today. We're going to be on part two of our Christmas series called Good Tidings. And uh, what does good tidings mean? It means 
good news. I've got some good news for you. And what we're doing over uh, this uh, couple of week period is we're just, I mean, breaking down some of the amazing benefits and some of the really good news that we have because of Jesus being born into this world. And of course, this is our focus all the time is the gospel of Jesus. But uh, we're just really focusing on a few things over these uh, couple of weeks here. And it's really hard to narrow down all the different good things you love about Jesus. Have you ever tried to sit down and uh, make a list of all the things you love about Jesus? It'd take you forever if you love Jesus, because as soon as you write something down, you think of something else like, oh, yeah, I love this about him. And, oh, yeah, I love this about him. Jesus is the absolute best thing that has ever happened to me in my life. There's nothing greater that's ever happened to me than receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He is the real deal. He is the full package. He is everything that you need and everything that I need. I absolutely love Jesus. And that's why I love Christmas. Amen. And so we're going to open up to our key passage for all of this. And this is in Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two. Amen. All right. And uh, check this out. Luke 2 is a great passage, parents, that you could read to your kids. Uh, Luke 1 and Luke 2 and Matthew chapter 2 tells the Christmas story. And every morning we've been uh, reading a little bit of the Christmas story to our kids before school. And yes, they've heard it uh, several times already, but praise God, it just gets better every single time. And I want them to really get this revelation and know this in their hearts. So Luke chapter 2. Uh, We're going to start here at verse 8 and read to verse 11. And we have here uh, the story of the angels appearing to the shepherds and telling them what has just happened. So Luke 2, verse 8, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. They're terrified. Look at this. These guys are terrified. And, you know, you're thinking, man, this must be really good news. But a lot of times, man, as we saw last week, the Lord shows up and people are like, ah, because they weren't even expecting how good this is going to be. All right. Verse 10, it says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And so he says, I bring you good tidings. I bring you good news of great joy. And as I was, you know, looking at, man, what exactly are we going to narrow this down to this week? I was thinking about a Christmas carol that I really like. It's not Frosty the Snowman. That is a good one, though. But I was thinking of uh, an older one, uh, this old Christmas carol called God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. And this is one of the older ones that we actually still sing. Uh, This song was written in the 15th century, so the 1400s. But my favorite line from this song is, Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save the world from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. And whoever wrote this song all those years ago, this guy nailed it on the head. Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Why? To save the world from Satan's power. 
when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. And that's what we're talking about right now. Tidings of comfort and joy. So this little baby born all these years ago was born to literally save the entire planet from Satan's power. To save the world from Satan's power. And if you understand how true that statement is, it is definitely tidings of comfort and joy to you. And so I'm going to pray and we're going to get into the word of God today and look at a few things. And I'm just saying the, I'm, I'm going to just unload on you today. Okay. Some magnificent truths from God's word. I, I, Katie was asking me the other morning, what is your preaching about? And I told her and she's like, oh man, that's going to, so listen, I'm going to try to contain myself, but I am crazy excited about delivering this word today because this is the, the absolute power of God that has saved my life, changed my life, and, and, and so many lives in this room. So I am stoked about this message. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you are true, and your word is true, and whatever your word says we can have, we can have. Whatever your word says we can do, we can do. I thank you that your word does not change, that your word does not need an update or an upgrade. Your word is perfect just the way it is. And so, Father, speak to us today as we study the holy word of God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that we will listen to you and receive everything that you have for us. And I say right now that we are not walking out those doors the same way that we walked in. We are leaving this place better than how we've ever been before and stronger than we've ever been before. We love you. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and Nazareth. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. So point number one today is this. Number one, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus Christ came. Why? To destroy the works of the devil. Well, where'd you come up with that? I came up with that from 1 John 3, 8. So can we flip there this morning? 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. And what a powerful verse. What a powerful statement that we are making right here, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And I am super grateful that he did because Satan thought he had power in my life. He thought that he could control me. He thought that he could bully me around. He thought that he could wreck my family, wreck my health. He thought he could kill me at three years old when he put leukemia on my young little body and he made it to where I couldn't walk anymore. I became totally crippled and I couldn't take a step without collapsing to the ground. But Jesus Christ came in to a hospital room in Indianapolis, Indiana and touched my body. And I got up and started running around the hospital. I had doctors and nurses chasing me around. Catch that kid. And they took my blood and the leukemia that was there the night before was 1000% gone that morning. Amen. Within a matter of hours. And so I'm a little obsessed with Jesus. I love him. And I know that he came and destroyed the power of the devil in my life. So first John chapter three and verse eight, it says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Well, hey, I don't belong to the devil. I am not going to keep on sinning. It says, who has been since the beginning? But check this out. But the Son of God came, why? To destroy the works of the devil. Why did the Son of God come? Somebody tell me. 
to destroy the works of the devil. Now, that's a powerful statement to make right there, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil because the source of all evil that we see in this world today is the devil. He is the source of all evil that we see. And unfortunately, God gets blamed for a lot of the things that the devil actually did. So sometimes you see a tragedy happen and, well, God has his reasons. Maybe God was trying to teach them a lesson. That wasn't God that did that to those people. That wasn't God that caused this tragedy to happen. He is the giver of life. Amen. We'll look at that verse in a little bit. But he's not out there killing people. He's out there trying to save people. Amen. And, you know, I heard Brother Hagen one time, he told about this pastor, his church burned down. And, and the pastor was like, I just don't know why God took my church down. I just don't get it. And Brother Hagen said, that wasn't God. God's not out there burning churches down. He's out there building churches up. Amen. God's not the one that is bringing tragedy and, and heartache and bad things into this world. Satan is the source of evil. Amen. And so a question, you know, that we also hear a lot of times is this. Well, if God's in control, then why did this happen? Well, let me tell you something that may rock your socks a little bit. and Maybe you won't like it, but God's not in control of everything. And God is certainly not in control of everybody. Now, if you've submitted your life to Jesus and become a born-again Christian and submitted to him, then yes, he will be in control of your life. Amen. You've, you've got your will. But if you if there's a, an, a, a person that's just mocked and scoffed and rejected God and, and, and never received him, God is not in control of that person's life. When they go do something crazy and wicked, it wasn't that God made them do it. Uh, God had nothing to do with that. God is not in control of everybody and everything. He is in control of those who will submit their lives to him. You don't realize how powerful the power of choice is in your life. The power of choice that you have. You chose to come to church today. Did Jesus come and, and wake you up in bed and pour some cornflakes in the bowl and said, now you, let me feed you so you can go to church this morning. You got to get there on time. No, you chose to be here and, and, and you made a really great choice, but he doesn't force anybody to do anything. In fact, God told the Israelites in Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. he says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses, therefore choose life that you and your descendants might live. But he says, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And then he's like, hey, choose life. Why? So you and your descendants might live, but the choice is yours. God does not force you to do anything. If God just forced you to do stuff, he'd make you be nice. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, he'd make you obey. He'd make you do the right thing all the time. But he doesn't make you do it. He gives you the opportunity to choose to be nice, the opportunity to choose life. And praise God, we need to make that choice. But get it right now that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, no doubt about that. And when you submit your life to Jesus and do things his way, the power of the devil is broken over your life. 
That's good tidings right there. That's tidings of comfort and tidings of joy. But another thing that a lot of people don't realize is, again, like, well, if all this bad stuff's happening, the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, that Satan is currently the God of this world. (gasps) Don't say that. Satan is currently the God of this world. And it uses a lowercase g. There it is on the screen. A lowercase g. And Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Well, how did Satan end up being in control of so many things? Well, you see, God put this man on the earth named Adam and said, Hey, Adam, I have given you dominion over all of this place. I'm putting you in charge of it. You tend to it. You cultivate it. You you do things my way. And God gave him what the scripture says is dominion. He put Adam and Eve in charge of this thing. Then what did they do? They sold out their rights to the devil. When that snake showed up and said, Hey, I know God said this, but I'm telling you, it's a lot better to do it this way. And that's why I don't trust snakes. Hate them. Can't stand them. Why? Because they lie to you. Uh, and, and they're creepy, creepier than anything in the world. But at the same time, they believed a lion snake devil over the word of God. And the minute they did, they sold out the dominion and sold it over to Satan. But thank you, Jesus, that Jesus, the second Adam, came into this world to destroy the works of the devil. We can submit our lives to him. Amen. And there's coming a day when that old snake, when the devil himself is going to be locked up in the pit of hell forever and ever and ever. Until that day, though, you have a responsibility to submit yourself to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you, but you got to do things God's way until that day comes. And so, what are the works of the devil? You know, I, and you know, because I don't want to blame something on God that's not God. Certainly, and and the Scripture clearly tells us what the works of the devil are. So let's flip. If you've gone to church here very long at all, this verse is burned into your brain. Most of you know where I'm going, but if you don't know, now you know. John 10 verse 10. Let's flip over there this morning. John 10 verse 10. Amen. Who's glad they came this morning? Yeah. So John 10 verse 10 and for real, you've got to get this. You've got to you've got to get this truth right here. And this will explain so much and this will help you in the future to know like man, wait a minute. This wasn't from God. This was of the devil. John 10 verse 10. Jesus himself tells us that the thief, who's the thief? That's the devil. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So what does Satan come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the devil does. Does Jesus go around stealing, killing, and destroying? I've known Jesus for 36 years, and he's never stolen from me. Ever. Now, he's asked me to willingly give some things up. Hey, if you'll give that up, I've got something so much better for you. Jesus has never stolen from me. Jesus has never killed me. And he has certainly never destroyed me. Amen. But what did Jesus come to do right here? Jesus said, I have come that they may have life. And they they may have it more abundantly. And the NLT says to give you a rich and satisfying life. I love that word from God right there. And so anything in your life, anything that is stealing, killing, or destroying in your life, 
it's not from God. That is an attack from the devil. He may be trying to steal your health. He may be trying to steal your marriage. He may be trying to steal your kids. He may be trying to steal your job. He may be trying to steal your peace or your joy or your emotional stability. There's all sorts of things that he may be trying to steal right now. But here's the good tidings I have for you today. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so I'm not sitting around like, oh, gosh, what's the devil going to do today? What's he going to try? I don't care what he's trying to do because Jesus already came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. And so I'm not laying awake at night afraid of what might happen. I am sleeping beautifully and having wonderful dreams every single night because I can sleep good knowing that Jesus already came to destroy the works of the devil. And I am not going to let him steal from me anymore. I am not going to let him try to destroy things in my life anymore. Another verse you should know is Acts 10:38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Why? Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And I'm telling you, man, I know some people who are oppressed of the devil. He has his way in their life, man. He is the bully in their life. He steals their lunch, pops the bag in their face, and smacks them around. And they're like, oh, God, I don't, man. Oh, you don't have to live your life like that anymore because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so I will repeat to you right now, if there is any area of your life that is being stolen, killed, or destroyed That's an attack from the devil, and you do not have to just roll over and play dead. You can't do something about it because Jesus came and did something about it. You just have to, again, submit your life to him, and you have to do things his way. But Jesus came, why? To destroy the works of the devil. Do you think Satan wants the world to know? Do you think Satan wants you to know that Jesus came and defeated him? And destroyed his works. Do you think Satan really wants you to know that when Jesus died on the cross, his body went to a tomb, but his spirit descended, the book of Ephesians says, into the lower parts of the earth? And what happened? Jesus was there for three days and warred with the devil. He went down there into the pit of hell himself. He went into Satan's own backyard, into his neighborhood. And he fought the devil for three days. And guess what it says? He spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. Well, what does that mean in our language? Satan or Jesus went right down into hell and beat Satan up in front of all of his friends, all of his demon buddies. He defeated him and he said, hey, I have risen. I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Satan is defeated. You don't have to be afraid of dying anymore. You don't have to be afraid of anything anymore because Jesus is victorious. And then on that third day, there was an earthquake. The stone rolled away and Jesus walked on out of that tomb. Amen. Like a champion, like a hero. We don't have to be afraid. So he destroyed Satan's power. He straight went down there and did it himself. Do you think Satan wants everybody to know that? No, he does not. And he will do anything he can to stop the name of Jesus. 
anything you can. You look all the way back then. The king of that section of, of Israel, uh, uh, Judea, was this guy named Herod. And he was a Roman king that they put in place. And someone says, hey, there's been this, this baby born. Everybody says that this baby is the king of the world. He's like, well, let's just kill all the boy babies until we wipe him out. Satan tried, even from the time that Jesus was a baby, to annihilate him and get rid of that name. But it didn't work. Amen? It didn't work. He was preserved, and he was protected, and he, and he grew up to be the man that died for us. But even to this day, from back then until now, Satan still tries to silence the name of Jesus. I could do this. Go, go in public and just start talking about Jesus. People usually don't mind if like, well, God, God, the Almighty, and, and, and all that. But if you start using the name of Jesus, you're going to ruffle some feathers. You're going to offend some people, so they're going to say, hey, you better not say Merry Christ Mass. Just say Happy Holidays so you don't offend anybody. If someone says Happy Holidays to me, I am like, Merry Christ Mass. Merry Christmas. I'm not going to take the name of Christ out of his own birthday. Amen. If you don't like the, yeah, if, if you don't like, if you don't like it being about Jesus, you don't, we're celebrating his birthday, then just give me all your gifts. If you don't like celebrating them anyway, I'll take them. I'll find something to do with them. But listen, check it out. They try to silence the name of Jesus even until this current day and age. I see every year, I, I just look up news stories and find out somebody goes and, and destroys a nativity and takes baby Jesus. And I'm like, you really think that's going to stop the name of Jesus? Does Jesus bother you that much? that you just can't take it? No. Why does this happen? Because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And Satan, he's, he's so stupid. He thinks that he can do all these things and somehow get rid of that name, get rid of that man. But Jesus isn't going anywhere. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that healed people in the Bible is the same Jesus that heals us today. The same Jesus that delivered people of addiction back then is the same Jesus that delivers people of addiction now. The same Jesus that came in and destroyed the works of the devil back then is the same Jesus that I've got living in my life right now. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now buckle up because I'm coming to point number two. And, 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 and this is just, this is really good news. Really good tidings for you today. Number two, Jesus gave you authority over the devil. Now, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of good Christian people who have sat in church for year after year, they do not know this truth. But I'm telling you today, I've got good news that Jesus gave you if you're a born-again Christian and submitted to God, he gave you authority over the devil. And when you get that revelation and do something about it, it'll change your life. It will change your marriage. It will change your home. It'll change how you parent. It'll change how you view the entire world when you realize that you're not just some bum. You're not just some poor defenseless person trying to crawl your way through life until we finally get to heaven someday, when you realize that Jesus Christ personally gave you authority over the devil, it'll change how you live your life. I guarantee it. You're not in fear anymore. You're not stressed out, depressed, anxiety, all this stuff. No, 
You don't have to put up with that because that's from the devil and you have authority over the devil. I believe it when I see it. Luke 10, Luke 10, let's go there. Luke chapter 10, check this out. Love this passage right here. Luke chapter 10, amen. Who's having a good time? So Luke 10, verses 17 through 19, wonderful, wonderful passage. And you, you have got to know this. You have to get this revelation. Luke chapter 10, we're going to look here at verses 17 through 19. And this is powerful, man. Luke 10, verse 17, it says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Now, as we break this chapter down, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, that was cool, but he was given authority to the, to the 12 disciples there. And, 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 and wait a minute. It wasn't the 12 disciples. In this passage, it was 72 disciples. You do realize that Jesus had more than 12 disciples, right? Because most people don't realize that. They're like, well, there's the 12 disciples. Well, in this particular passage, there was 72. And if you add the other 12, well, that would make it 84. And check it out. It wasn't just those guys. There was a lot of other disciples then too. And there are still disciples of Jesus on the earth today. I'm one of them. And some of you are too. You're disciples of Jesus because you do what he said to do. You are submitted and you live your life to him and for him. Amen. And so Jesus has power and authority over all the works of the enemy because he's the one that came to destroy the works of the devil. And he says right here, I am giving you authority over all the power of the enemy. So how much authority do we have over the power of the enemy? How much did he give us there? All the power of the enemy. Now, I don't, you know, you, you're in charge of your house. I'm in charge of mine. You know, Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we made our choice. You got to do your house. I got to do mine. But I have flat out determined that we are not going to let the power of the enemy come in and rule in my house. The Samples family is off limits to the devil. He can huff, he can puff, he can try to blow the house down. But in the name of Jesus, we resist the devil and he has to flee. You're going to have to make some decisions for you and for your family. But if you'll do things his way, you have authority over all the power of the enemy. And so when somebody's in charge, what does that mean? Well, it means that you can tell those subject to you what to do. And according to what Jesus said, Satan is subject to us when we use the name of Jesus. So you've got to use that authority and put the brakes on him if he's trying to come in and screw with your life and jack your life up and mess with you. You are going to have to use the authority of the name of Jesus. Now, you may not have the power in and of yourself physically to stop Satan from doing things, but spiritually you have the authority to stop him. 
You know, I, we sometimes we use this example, but think about it. You could have a police officer standing out there in the middle of the street, and, and there could be a, a, a semi barreling down the road that weighs thousands and thousands of pounds, and that police officer holds up their hand, and that giant thing comes to a screeching halt. Does that police officer personally possess the power to stop a raging semi from barreling over them and flattening them like a pancake? He doesn't have the power, but thank God he's got the authority to make it happen. Where's the authority come from? From a source that is higher than them, right? From the state or the city. And so you may not personally have the power in and of yourself to physically stop Satan, but just like that police officer can make things happen with their authority, you have authority over all the works of the devil. Why are you not using it? Most Christians that I know are not using their authority that Jesus gave them. They're crying and moaning and, and complaining and all this stuff just like the rest of the world is. And that is not the will of God. The will of God is for you to be different than the rest of the world is. They're all concerned about this. They're all concerned about that. The children of God shouldn't be concerned about those things. Amen. Because you in your life and over your house have authority over all the works of the devil. And some of you are getting it. Some of you are not. But when you do get it, it'll change your life. It'll excite you. And these disciples, they were excited. They said, Jesus, you're never going to believe this. Even the demons obey us when we use your name. Did Jesus go, oh, my gosh, they do? I, don't, I didn't really think it would work. I just thought it sounded good, so I told you to go. But I'm just as shocked as you guys are. Are you? They really did obey you. Are you? Are you? No. He said, yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Jesus was there on the day when Lucifer got the boot from heaven. The devil was an angel in heaven named Lucifer who got full of pride and decided, hey, I'm going to try to, I, would, I, I should be getting worshiped. I should elevate myself to the same level that God Almighty is. And God kicked his butt out of heaven so fast, people thought it was a lightning bolt. Jesus was like, hey, whoa, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Nobody's been kicked out of anywhere that fast in their entire lives. That's what happened to him. And so you think Jesus is afraid of the devil? He's not afraid of the devil at all. And then he said, hey, I'm giving you authority over all the power of the enemy. I came to destroy the works of the devil. And I'm telling you, most Christians don't know that they have any authority to do anything about this in this life. But when you know, it changes your life forever. You need to know what belongs to you so you can use it. You need to know what belongs to you so you can use it. I heard this story of, of this, this, this uh, um, not homeless man, but a poor man. Everybody thought he was poor. Back in the early 1900s in Chicago, everybody in the neighborhood knew him. He, he slept on the sidewalk. He, he, he ate out of, the, out of the trash receptacles and, and, and begged for money and, and just, you know, just lived a, nearly a homeless life. He had a little shack he lived in. Well, he, he died one day, and, and they're going through there, and they, and, 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 and the, they, 
they go to see why he died, and the doctors say, well, he died of malnutrition. I mean, he just basically starved to death. It was awful. And they found, though, he always wore this, this you know, well, nearly in the 90s, we called them fanny packs. I don't know what we call them now, but, it, you know, back then. So the, they find, and, and, and what he has in this little uh, uh, waist purse around him, early 1900s, $23,000 right there with him at all times. He could have ate the best food in Chicago. Back then, 23000 I mean, he could have stayed in the best place in that whole part of the city. He could have lived a really good, good life. But he lived way beneath his means because he never tapped in to what belonged to him. And there's a lot of Christians that live way beneath their means because they don't tap in to what really belongs to them. You don't have to get bullied around through life. You don't have to live poor. You don't have to live sick. You don't have to live depressed. You don't have to live in fear. That is beneath you because you have been given authority over all the works of the devil. You don't have to be afraid about your kids' futures. You don't have to be afraid about your kids going to school. You don't have to be afraid about your kids turning out like this or like that. You have authority. All that stuff, that's beneath you. You have authority over all the works of the devil. You need to know what belongs to you, and you need to tap into that and use it. You don't need to die in this life. And, and, and you had all this great stuff that Jesus bought and paid for that you could have had a good life here, but you died a beggar, so to speak, because you never used what rightfully belonged to you. Well, I found out what belongs to me, and I'm going to use it. And I refuse to let the devil mess with me, mess with my family, mess with my church, mess with my people anymore, because I've got authority over all the works of the devil. Somebody should give Jesus praise this morning. Amen? Come on. And so Jesus wants you to use his name. He wants you to use the authority that's been given to you. Look over here at Mark chapter 16. Flip to Mark chapter 16. Amen. What a good Christmas present. Last week I found out that God's not given me a spirit of fear, but he did give me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And this week I find out that he's given me authority over all the works of the devil. This has turned out to be the best Christmas I've ever had. And in 1994, I got a Sega Genesis. That was a good Christmas. This is better than that. Remember that? <laughs> Mark 16, and we're going to look here at, at verses 15 through 18, but you need to know that Jesus wants you to use his name. He wants you to use that authority. Mark 16, verses 15 through 18, and I'm in the New King James here. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now check this out, verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. Is there anybody in here today that you do believe? 40% of this church believes. That's good stuff, all right? And so these signs will follow those who believe. So I expect these signs to follow my life. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will 
recover. I mean, some of that's like, I can't even imagine anything like that happening. Man, I've had these things happen in my life. And he says right there, in my name, they're going to go do that. So again, somebody would say, yeah, well, hey, hey, don't get so excited. I've had people tell me this stuff. Don't get so excited. He was talking to the 12 disciples right there. Who do you think you are? Well, check it out. He didn't say, these signs will follow the 12 disciples. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. That, I believe. That includes me. If you're in here and you believe, that includes you. In his name, you can go out and do what he told you to do. And so this belongs to us. And I'm telling you right now, Satan has no authority over your life unless you're just going to give in to fear and let him mess around with you. But you have authority over all the works of the devil. You need to learn how to use that. Remember one night, and I was, uh, I guess, 18 years old. So I was leading worship in Indiana. Pastor Katie and I, we were just dating. But I'm leading worship one night. And one thing you'll find out, I will repeat this, the devil does not like the name of Jesus to be used. Know that right now. Know that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm leading worship, and, and I start singing uh, this, Oh, the blood of Jesus. And I'm singing, oh, the blood. And the devil doesn't like the name of Jesus. And he certainly does not like to hear about the blood of Jesus because it's just a reminder that you're actually defeated and we're not afraid of you anymore. And so I'm singing. And, man, there's this uh, teenage girl out in the crowd and and all this stuff. And it turns out the girl was possessed by the devil. And I start singing about the blood of Jesus. And, my gosh. She falls on the ground and just starts all this crazy stuff, and, you know, and, and it was wild. And, and what I'm saying right here is to remind you that when you know you have authority over the devil, these things don't scare you anymore. And, and, uh, and at the same time, if you don't believe that, that these spiritual things are real, see the devil get cast out of somebody, and that will change your mind forever. And so all this is going on, and I'm just like, I'm playing my guitar. What's going on? Believe it or not, I had one of those headset mics like Britney Spears used to use. So I'm like, you know, doing this thing. And there's no, like, choreographed dancing, but I'm playing. And I'm like, good Lord, what's going on out there? My dear sweet mother on the front row, she chases the girl down. In the name of Jesus, come out. And this teenage girl. The devil, the devil left her because of the name of Jesus, but it's a beautiful and powerful thing to see somebody that was being hurt and abused and, 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 and manipulated and controlled by the devil to see them free in the name of Jesus. How does that happen? We've got authority. We have authority over all the works of the devil. Last year, last summer, I was in my backyard grilling some chicken. Grilling some chicken. I had marinated it. I had seasoned it. It was beautiful. I was going to have some good chicken that night. So I'm back there barbecuing my chicken. And I get a phone call uh, from some, someone that, anyway, it was, it was a str- through a strange turn of events, somebody that, uh, anyway, I won't go into details, but this dude calls me. And he's like, I haven't talked to him in a long time. Starts talking to me on the phone. And just start saying some crazy stuff. I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, man, when I used to come to your church, I, 
I like so much about it, but I, I, the thing I hate about your church is you use the name of Jesus too much. And every time you use the name of Jesus, I just feel something on the inside of me. I was like, whoa, pump the brakes. Dude is possessed by the devil because, hey, <laughs> the devil hates the name of Jesus. And so he tells me he's going to another church in town and stuff, but they don't use the name of Jesus that much so he can handle it. I'm like, okay, well, so I start talking to him, and I'm like, man, I'm just going to pray over you right now. And I start praying, and that's when things got cray-cray for a minute, okay? The brother starts, I mean, just a different voice comes out of him, and no, he's mine, leave him alone. And I was like, no way, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, leave this man alone. And so I'm in the backyard, and, and we're going back and forth. I'm just, you may think I'm making it up. I don't make stuff like this up. It was the strangest event of my life. So me, and at this point, I'm getting ticked off at the devil. He's yelling. I'm yelling. I'm screaming the name of Jesus. And then instantly it all stops. And he's like, what just happened? I'm like, I'm going to tell you what just happened, brother. And I want you, you know, and I directed him to get some help. I don't know that the church he goes to believes in this stuff, so praise God, I hope he got it. But he got some deliverance that day in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? So this is a bittersweet story. The sweet part is the man got delivered. The bitter part is I burned my chicken to a crisp. Stupid. Just pathetic. Just my chicken was gone, so I was so mad. But praise God. You know, I can give up my chicken to see somebody delivered from the works of the enemy. Amen. And so Jesus said, in my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. You want to think I'm crazy? I do that too. And you know what else? He said, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I believe in that. And I see that happen all the time too, because the devil is no match for Jesus. Some people think that Jesus and the devil, they're arch rivals, that the devil is just Jesus's evil equivalent and they're just no they aren't even on the same level jesus is so much greater so much stronger so much bigger and when you get this truth in your life when you realize that he defeated the devil and then he gave you authority to use his name over all the works of the devil it'll change your life forever i've got one more verse for you today you got time for one more let's go Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18. Man, you need to realize this. You need to stand up, take your family back, take your life back, and use the authority of the name of Jesus to kick the devil out. You have authority. You need to use the authority. You know, I know people like that. If an intruder came to their house, they'd fight him off. But the devil comes and knocks every day, and they let him in. I don't get it. What would you do if you were sitting on your couch watching TV? Someone just opens the door and walks in, goes right past you, goes to the refrigerator, makes a sandwich with your bread and your meat. And they, they make a sandwich. They come and sit down, snatch the remote out of your hand, like, scoot over. It's my chair now. Whoa. No. You would do something about it. This is an invader. They have no rights in your house. They do not belong there. You would do whatever it took to get them out of your house, but you wouldn't just sit there and put up with it. And in the same way, the devil comes every day and tries to come on in and mess with your family, mess with your life, intrude, invade, and mess things up. And so many Christians 
don't do a thing at all about it. They just sit there and like, oh, it's got to be this way. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be this way. It can be better if you'll use the name of Jesus and use what he has for you. Matthew 18, verses 18 through 19. Love this. Matthew 18, verses 18 through 19 in the NLT. says, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And so the King James says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. That's a big statement, Matthew 18, 18. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Well, when I found that out, there's some things in my life that used to happen that I, they don't happen anymore. I forbid it from happening in my life anymore. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm going to use the name of Jesus, and I'm going to fight it off. Remember back, back in, uh, well, the early 2000s. Anybody remember those? Anybody? It was a crazy time. People were dyeing their hair blonde and all this stuff. It was wild. But I used to have these nightmares nearly every night. I'd have bad nightmares, so bad. I would, you know, people tell me they have these and stuff too, but I would just feel paralyzed and I couldn't get out. And I'd be trying to fight my way out. And it happened all the time. And so I'm sitting, and you know, I would pray before bed, not with any authority, but almost like, you know, feeling sorry for myself. Oh God, please don't let me have a nightmare tonight. Please, Lord, just real timid and weak. No, if that's, you don't pray from a position of timid and weak. You pray from a position of authority in the name of Jesus. You've been seated with Christ in the heavenly places, the scripture tells us. And so, and so finally, man, I've known these verses my whole life, but it's one thing when you've just known something your whole life, and then when you get that revelation in your heart for you, it changes everything. I read these, and I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to forbid the devil from bringing nightmares into my life anymore. And so one night before bed, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bed, and this, this ain't happening ever again. Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus from giving me any nightmares from messing with my sleep. I forbid it from ever happening again. That was 2003. This is 2021. God is my witness. I have never had a nightmare again in whatever that is, 18 years. Never happened again because of the name of Jesus. And I sleep great. I'm telling you, you think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I sleep great even with all those kids in my house. It's wonderful. Why? Because I know the power of the name of Jesus. And so what is, what is all this I'm trying to tell you today? It's coming down to this right now. You've got a really great Christmas present if you'll open it up and use it. It's one thing to just get a nice present handed to you. That's, that's fine. That doesn't do you any good. You've got to open it and receive it. And so I've presented something to you today that maybe you don't know about or maybe you have known but you aren't really walking in it and, 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 and doing it. I'm telling you right now today that you have authority in the name of Jesus if your life is being attacked in some way, if Satan's trying to attack your family or your marriage or your job or your emotions or your children or your health or your finances, you've got power and authority in the name of Jesus to actually do something about it. 
but you're going to have to step up and speak. A verse that people misquote all the time is James 4, 7. Well, the scripture says, resist the devil and he'll flee. And I did that and nothing happened. That's not what James 4, 7 says. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself, therefore, to God and then resist the devil and he'll flee. You can't be living all crazy and doing things you know you're not supposed to do. Then expect the devil to listen to you. He's not going to listen to you. He's going to, again, he's going to smack you and say, shut up. You don't even believe it yourself or else you'd live like it. You better live like you believe it. And when you submit to God, you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Good tidings today, friends. You have authority over all the works of the devil. You just need to start using it. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Let's stand up together. Praise God. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. I'm going to have my prayer team come on up together today. Amen. So if you're here today, first of all, we want to pray for anybody and everybody. But if perchance you're here and you're like, man, all that sounds good and uh, I would like some of that. Well, you can have some of that. But the biggest thing is you've got to give your life to Jesus. You have no authority. God, you have no guarantees. You have no, no promises, anything from his word until you accept him into your heart, until you submit your life to him. Then it's a whole new ball game from there. You've got every right and privilege the word of God talks about. But if you're here and you have not submitted your life to Jesus, maybe you said a prayer when you were a kid, but you didn't know what it was. Or maybe a long time ago, you know, you, you kind of had something happen. I'm talking about if you are here and your life is not where it's supposed to be with Jesus. And you know, you know if it is or not. I'm giving you the chance today to come up and let one of us pray with you and get things where they need to be in your life. Because nothing's going to change if you keep doing things the same way you're doing them right now. There has to be a change. And I caution you, some people are like, well, I'd go up there, but I don't want no one to see me. Now's not the time to let pride ruin your life. Shoot your pride down and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I don't care what anybody thinks. Come on up, brother. Come on up. I don't care what anybody thinks. I care more about Jesus, and I care more about changing my life. So if you're here and you need prayer for anything in the world, we'll pray for you. But especially if things are not where they need to be with Jesus, don't hesitate. Come now. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't wait till another day. Do it now. Amen. But if you need prayer for anything, for your marriage, for your kids, whatever, come on up. We're going to pray for you, and Josh is going to lead us in a song here. Amen. Let's do this. And I know that I know that you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know that you never will. And I know that I know that you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know that you never will. And I know that I know that you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know that you never will. Make me. 
hands fall and you use songs of praise to shake prison walls and I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then and you'll be faithful now cause you make mountains move and you make giants fall and you use songs of praise to shake prison walls and I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. You were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. And I know that I know that you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know.
Well, who's been blessed today from the word of God? Hallelujah. Amen. And you know, you can always go back and watch and listen again if you need to on a podcast app or Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, if that would help you, make sure you do that, all right? Well, praise God. We're going to go ahead and close things down. Uh, tonight, Pastor's going to be preaching on what, how to always receive healing how to receive healing every single time. And so it's a healing message tonight, and uh, it would be valuable for you to get that. And you're like, well, man, I'm not sick. I don't need to hear about healing. Hey, the time to lay the foundation is not after the flood already came. The time to lay the foundation is right now before the storm ever comes. And so even if you feel great, now's the time to start getting faith for healing before the devil does attack the health. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out with a prayer. Then we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow and be back here tonight at six o'clock. Amen. Let's raise our hands today. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul said men everywhere ought to raise their hands in holy prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word today. And we thank you that you have given us authority over all the works of the devil. And you came to destroy the works of the devil. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we would submit ourselves to you and use the authority given to us through your name. In the name of Jesus. And now, Lord, I pray over every household, every family, every individual here. May the blessing of God be upon their lives. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. May the joy of the Lord be their strength. And I declare this to be the best Christmas season these families have ever had. And we will be the light of the world to spread the gospel to Barstow, the high desert, and everywhere else we go. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And then name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's speak some words of faith together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen.